0: This program is brought to you by the partners of Arute Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support Arute Awakening International today.
1: The world is in chaos, but Yehovah is in control, and Yeshua's return is right around the corner. It's time to prepare the way for the return of the King of Kings because it's the end of the sixth day. The sun has set, and this is the Yom Teruah 2023 edition of Shabbat Night Live. Well, Shabbat Shalom Torah fans, welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood and Yom Teruah 2023. Our guests are now in the building mingling with Michael Rood. We have a full day of teachings tomorrow, and tonight you are going to get a glimpse of this year's teachings from Jake Hilton, Steve Siefkin, and Matthew Vanderels. Plus, our episode tonight is a special teaching that Michael did way back in 2011, from New Mexico called the Day of Trumpets at the Rock of Ages where the Ten Commandments are written in Paleo-Hebrew. But first, if the sky is clear in Israel, Yom Teruah will arrive this Sunday when the renewed moon will be sought out in the skies above Jerusalem. But then again, no man knows the day or the hour, right? Well, for now, we are on the fifth and final Shabbat of the sixth month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected Biblical Hebrew calendar. There you see it right there. All right, and our first guest is Steve Siefkin. Steve, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. So you're going to be here tomorrow. Right now, we're talking to you uh, via Zoom from California. Uh, your your uh, talk tomorrow is going to be on the Torah, Yehovah's Character, and the Second Coming. Tell us what this is all about.
2: Well, I that just came to me, and uh, I think the title does a pretty good job of explaining it but the Torah what I mean by that is just the the fall feasts the uh, Yom Teruah Yom Kippur and Sukkot and uh, I wanted to show God's character in those feasts because uh, sometimes we uh, we we tend to miss that God's character his law Yehovah's law is just who he is and uh, they're um, you know Mikras, their rehearsals. When we get to participate in these rehearsals, it's preparing us to be more like him and it's preparing us for that second coming and the kingdom that he's bringing here. And that's really what I want to focus on is um, how that applies to us now and what it's going to be like when the Messiah comes back and rules and
1: reigns. And uh, that just gets me excited and I really look forward to this. Well, you know, our audience certainly certainly appreciates uh, these what you've done here before on Shabbat Night Live and just that really common sense different way of thinking about the Bible and the Torah uh, how you brought about the fact that uh, you know the law is basically just it's not don't think about it like a law or, or it's just really just how god works this is just his character right that's
2: exactly what i what i mean by his character it's um it's just great to know that we have a god we Yehovah is just honest with us and upfront and tells us, this is who I am and let me write it down for you. And then his Messiah is the picture of that. And so we've got two great examples, his, his written word and the person of the Messiah, Yeshua, and uh, his
1: example for us. So uh, regarding when Yeshua comes back, give us a little glimpse as to what you see when Yeshua comes back. What is that gonna look like? Well, it's probably
2: going to start pretty rough for us. Uh, he's going to rule and reign with, with a rod of iron. And, um, you know, but then he's going to bring in peace and a thousand years of just the world like we've never seen it before. And we should be excited about that. And that's what we're rehearsing with these fall feast days is that second coming
1: and the kingdom that we've been waiting for our whole lives. This world's been waiting for, for thousands of years. Yeah, well, you know what? Yehovah always wins, right? So we can't wait to see you tomorrow. Thanks very much. So Steve Siefkin, we will see you tomorrow for Yom Teruah 2023. Well, we look forward to seeing you here. Thanks for coming.
2: Great, I look forward to being there.
1: All right, our next guest is Jake Hilton. Jake, welcome.
3: Good to be here, Scott. Thank you so very much for having me.
1: <laughs> well, here as in, like, you'll be here tomorrow, I guess, but right now you're you're calling from Utah. Thank you for joining us on the phone here via Zoom. Now, the title of your presentation is The Year of Yehovah's Favor Prophecy. What's this all about?
3: Okay, well, I mean, first of all, gotta say, super excited for this event. I just, I can't wait. I. I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit here. I really am because not not only do I have the opportunity to get to fellowship with you and with Michael and Anna Lil and all the Rude crew, but I get to meet with so many of these wonderful uh, people, these brothers and sisters, 75 in total that are going to be there live with us. And I'm I'm just super excited. Thank you for having me for Yom Teruah, the Day of Trumpets. And I got to tell you, when it comes to this this prophecy and that's what that's what i call it it, it is a prophecy and it is the year of jehovah's favor prophecy as as i'm calling it when it comes to the torah obviously filled with prophecy filled with so many prophetic shadow pictures of our lord and our savior yeshua the messiah one of the most powerful and uh, what I personally refer to as the prophecy of prophecies. Everyone is so very familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 18, that Yehovah God will raise up a prophet like Moses from the house of Israel. And we of course know that that prophet is our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. But I've recently been made aware of another just beautiful prophecy in the same book Book of Deuteronomy but not chapter 18 it's actually in chapter 24 and wow I tell you when when my eyes were open to this it just it left me in awe of the glory the wisdom the power of our father and I tell you what, when it comes to the second coming of our Lord Yeshua and the marriage supper of the lamb, that's really the subject matter that we're gonna be focusing on with this year of Yehovah's favor prophecy. This is, that that's a party, that is a marriage supper feast celebration that we obviously don't wanna miss. And uh, this whole prophecy, it just points to it, and uh, I just I just give all the praise and glory to the Father. And I I pray that his spirit and his word will be with me so that there at A root Awakening for Yom Teruah, uh we'll just be able to give glory to the name of our Father.
1: Beautiful, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us, Jake. And there's where you can uh, join us tomorrow to watch Jake's presentation on the bottom of your screen. And uh, Jake, we will see you here tomorrow and uh, hopefully we'll see you as well uh, for watching Yom Teruah 2023 prepare the way. All right, Jake, we'll see you tomorrow.
3: Hey. Thank you again, Scott, take care.
1: All right, and last but not least, our final guest for Yom Tarua is the one and only Matthew van Matthew, welcome.
0: Thank you for having me on, Scott, it's good to be here.
1: So you'll be here tomorrow, but we wanted to get a little bit of a snippet of what you're going to be doing tomorrow, uh, today. So your presentation is called Conquering the Sons of Hell. Love
0: it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's based on the verse in Matthew 23 where Yeshua criticizes the Pharisees for going out and making uh, disciples, if you will, and their disciples becoming twice as much of children of hell as they are. And so I'm a patterns guy. I love the, the, the literature background, the narrative of the Bible, the whole story. And uh, I love finding the patterns that continue reoccurring in the Bible from the very beginning all the way to the end of Revelation. And one of those patterns or motif is this dynamic of good and evil that we see in the garden, right? The fruit. Um, But there's a bit of irony in that because humanity now has the knowledge of good and evil, but every single time they try to implement it, it's not correct. (laughs) The things that they think are good or evil and vice versa. And so we're going to take a a journey through the Bible, through the biblical story, and, uh, and see where it takes us as far as the motif of good and evil, and how we conquer the sons of hell.
1: Okay, well there's the information on the bottom of the screen when people uh, can watch your presentation tomorrow. And I know folks have really loved uh, what you did last month with us on Shabbat Night Live. You did a whole series on, on patterns in the Bible and I think one of my favorite things was when we talked about uh, David and Goliath and that whole uh, connection with the, the snake skin and the bronze. Yes. that That's absolutely. amazing stuff. It's,
0: absolutely, the biblical authors, we are, uh, They weren't dumb, Scott, they were (laughs) geniuses. They were authors, literary geniuses. They knew what they were doing when they were writing the Bible uh, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's beautiful and it gets me excited and I hope I can get others excited about it as well. All
1: right, sounds great. So we'll see you here tomorrow, Matthew. And I know you're in town. uh, So will family be joining you tomorrow as well?
0: Uh, I, I'm sure they will be, uh, that's the plan. There's my wife
1: and my kids, so that would be great. Ah, sounds somewhere. great. Okay, can't wait to have you. Okay, so there we have it. Matthew Vanderels for Yom Terua 2023, prepare the way. Again, there's the information on the bottom of your screen as to when you can see Matthew. So we will see Matthew, and we will see you tomorrow for Yom Terua. Don't miss it. <laughs>
2: Folks, we are on the Bible Beyond Borders tour. We are going everywhere the Bible says we can go beyond politics. Can you give us something about the significance of what we're trying to do going to these places? And why did I give you a call?
0: (laughs) We are standing in Samaria. Samaria is in the area that's sometimes called West Bank, uh, but it's actually the biblical heartland of Israel. And when you look at the Bible, when you read the stories of the Bible, most of the stories that happen in the Bible, if we're talking about Joshua, the judges, Samuel, King David, everything happens in Judea and Samaria, the biblical heartland of Israel. But right now we are going to, we're we're, we're in a special place, a very, very special place. Um, This is the place where Joshua, Bin Nun, the servant of Moses, built the altar that was commanded by Moses in Deuteronomy 11 and Deuteronomy 27 and you know it's not it's, it's not usual that you can actually go to the same place that the bible speaks about and also touch the structure that is spoken about in the bible let me tell you this not only can we do this we got folks like this guy
2: and his buddies that are our guardian angels. They have come with us to watch over us. Okay. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Folks, I want to do something. I want to blow the shofar. Okay. This is an invitation to everyone around the world. An invitation to everyone around the world to go beyond the borders to experience the Bible for themselves. Amen. 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 Amen.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Hallelujah, hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. amen, amen. We will see you in Israel.
1: Bye-bye, shalom. (laughs) No one seems to know how Yehovah's time clock works, even in the Promised Land. While the Gentile world remains oblivious, and rabbinical Judaism insists on doing things their own way, one daring duo decided to do it right. I'm here because in just a little while, we're gonna
2: attempt to do something that the world is waiting to find out and that is to actually cite the beginning of the seventh month, one of the most important periods of time in biblical understanding.
1: Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemia Gordon crisscross the Holy Land to bring you Right On Time from Israel, an adventure that will inspire you to treasure the fall feasts of the Lord like never before. You won't find this exciting teaching anywhere online, but we'll give it to you as our thanks for supporting A Root Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in September, we'll send you Right On Time From Israel with Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemia Gordon on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you Right On Time From Israel, plus a beautiful laser-cut wooden art piece featuring the Second Temple. Donate $300 and we'll send you Right On Time From Israel, the laser-cut wooden art piece, and an authentic natural curve ram's horn shofar plus a matching display stand. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Thank you. Your donations ensure that important teachings like right on time from Israel keep coming from A Rood Awakening International. Use your cell phone to scan the QR code on your screen to donate now and receive these limited time gifts or call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at MonthlyLoveGift.com.
4: The traditions that we have in modern day Judaism remind us of what we did in the temple and some of these traditions go back long before the temple in Jerusalem. It reminds us of when Melchizedek, the king of righteousness brought forth bread and wine to Abraham when he came back from the slaughter of kings and Melchizedek, the Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, blessed the most high with the blessing that Abraham then taught to his son Isaac and then was passed down through the generations. Yeshua said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. He gave a tenth of everything because he saw the broken body and the shed blood. Melchizedek, as Abraham and all of his offspring, then continued to say this prayer, this prayer of sanctification. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Yeshua said, This bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. And this is what Yeshua said the last night that he was with his disciples. This represents his broken body. that was broken for us. And then, the blessing of the wine. Blessed are you, Jehovah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this is a renewed covenant, which will be paid for in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. To take us to the mountain, we've got to go back in time, back to the 10th chapter of the book of Genesis. The 9th, 10th, and 11th chapter tells us why the world is the way it is. All the nations of the world come out of the families of Noah. It tells us exactly where they are spread out to. And when, at the Torah of Babel, they were divided out among the, uh, 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 the landmass of the world. And as it says, the sons of Ham were Cush, Mitzrayim, which is Egypt, put in Canaan. Now Canaan was cursed by Noah. Do you not remember that? And his descendants were some of the sickest sex perverts in the world. You know, they were the ones whose cities were Sodom and Gomorrah, and by the time your city gets named after a pretty you know, sick sin, you know, you know things have gone downhill for your community, okay? But here it says that, uh, that, uh, that one of the sons of Ham was Canaan, he was his youngest son, and they were the ones that came in and squatted in the parcel of land through which all the trade routes of the world went. This was not designated for them. This was designated for a different people, and we're gonna talk about them in just a minute here. And Cush begat Nimrod, who began to be a mighty one in the earth. Now we start Nimrod. Who is he? Nimrod was a mighty hunter before El-Panai, in the face of the Lord, or Yahweh. Therefore it is said of his infamy, Nimrod the mighty hunter before yod heh vav He developed a one world system, he was worshiped as a god. He enslaved people and it says the beginning of this kingdom was Babel. And Erech, Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. And this ramps it up to where we find out that out of the land of Shinar, Asher went forth and built Nineveh. Asher is one of the sons of Shem, who, after the confusion of the languages, took the pagan sun god worship of Babylon and then went into and built Nineveh, the Assyrian Asherian Empire. And who was sent to Nineveh to tell these descendants of Shem, not sons of Abraham, but descendants of Shem, to repent and come out of their paganism? Jonah, Jonah. absolutely. See, Israel is going to be given a job here. In just a minute, we're going to see this. But before Asher left the land of Shinar, we read now, Genesis 11, one through four, the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, which means every word meant the same thing to everyone. There was no confusion. One word meant the same thing to everyone. Not so after the confusion of languages, not so in English today. We speak one word in Albuquerque. In Massachusetts, that word means something different. You speak the same language in South Africa and and also, in England, we all speak English, but the words mean different things and can cause quite some embarrassment at times because we commonly use words that uh, in other cultures are absolutely, you don't say those things That just because of cultural differences. The whole earth was of one language and a one speech, and as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and dwelt there, and they said one to another, go to... This is King James English, and I'll give you a clue here that when they said go to, it doesn't mean the same thing when you tell someone now to go to. In 1611, in England, go to meant come now. Come now. Let us make brick. Burn them throughly. They're not going to wait around to carve out stone. They are going to build this thing, this empire, and they're going to build it with brick. They're going to burn them throughly, and they had brick for stone and slime, their head for mortar—the same thing that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were put together with. So when the Almighty sent fire and brimstone down, it ignited the mortar and turned the cities into a raging inferno. It looked like those uh, those cities were absolute—you you couldn't do anything to them. But they were incinerated because the Almighty knows chemistry. And now we're smelling it. Yeah, smell your fingers. It'll stay with you for weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry I didn't (laughs) warn you. Ah, That's beautiful. And they said, go to, come now, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the earth. And so a city, a tower, a name, they had full economic control, religious control, and political control. In their day, that was the Novus Ordo Seclorum, the New World Order, a one-world government, and as it says, that they nothing could be held back from them. They were all of one speech. And so, Yahweh said, go to, or come now, let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech, so, Yahweh scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. They didn't quit. They left off. The languages were confused, and they were scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. Now watch this. Here is an old, old painting of the Tower of Babel. Look at it carefully. They left off building the city. Now I'm going to show you a poster from the European Union. Look what we have. Is it not almost identical? And yet now we have a modern crane. Europe, many tongues, one voice. Watch what happens before your eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Now what you're seeing come up is the parliament of the European Union, superimposed over the Tower of Babel. This now was built to resemble the unfinished Tower of Babel. There is a conspiracy on many levels to bring us all under a new world order, a one world government. I first heard of it when I was 10 years old sitting in Green Corners Baptist Church with an evangelist coming through talking about the new world order. And all my life, it was all being denied. Oh no, that's just conspiracy stuff. Yes, it is conspiracy stuff, you idiot. <laughs> the Almighty told us that they were doing this. <laughs> to enslave us, to bring us back under Nimrod's kingdom. We have theories about all their conspiracies, but he's doing it. Now, when I use the word idiot, I have to clarify, so because some people are a little offended sometimes. The words idiot and moron are medical terms. They're medically defined, but if you look in the dictionary, they will tell you very clearly that there are archaic terms that are no longer used. Thank you. That means I get to use them. (laughs) Because as it says in the Scripture, concerning understanding the Scripture, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Spirit. The word private, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, is the Greek word idios, from which we get the word idiot. And if you interpret the Scripture through your narrow playing field, you know, 2,000 years removed and 8,000 miles from the land of Israel, and you don't put it in context, and you don't make it work with everything else, then you're an idiot. Okay? Okay? And I can see some of you just need to lighten up a little bit. (laughs) Now, what is a moron? (laughs) That's someone too stupid to know that they're an idiot. (laughs) Okay, see, in one area or another, you know, we are all idiots, okay? (laughs) You know, we may know a lot about a very small area, but you know, that's why the word is a treasure. And when I was young, I started to see some of these treasures. And I saw a load of treasures once, and I sold everything and I bought the field. And I've been mining these treasures my whole life. And then I tell you about these treasures and to other people, this is the answer, this is what they've been looking for. You know, we disconnect ourselves from our Western Gentile paganized perspective and we grab on to the Hebrew roots of our faith. We don't grab on to rabbinic Judaism, right. the things that Yeshua said do not follow the out and the Mahsem of the Pharisees. We follow the Messiah. Okay? We don't need to look Jewish to feel like you know we're somebody. We need to follow the Messiah because we are somebody. He has redeemed us, he's grafted us in. And all throughout history, it's been welcome for anyone to graft in to the household of Israel. And those grafted in are just as much in the faith as bloodline King David. And I don't care if you're a pygmy headhunter from the tribe of Zulu. In Messiah, you can be grafted in because you will then then be molded into the fullness and stature of Messiah. You will do what he did. If he is in you, you will keep the Torah. You know, the Torah is not grievous. The commandments are not hard, okay? I know you've been told this your whole life. Oh, it's so impossible. Nobody can keep the Torah. The very first example in the scriptures in the New Testament is Luke, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, Kohenim. if any of the commandments applied to anyone, they applied to them. But yet in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, they were absolutely blameless. You tell me what's so hard about, you know, not murdering somebody not stealing from somebody, okay? Tell me what's so hard about celebrating the feast of the Lord and getting rid of your pagan sun god worship festivals that you inherited from from your forefathers. You know, when our creator created us, he knew he was creating a party animal. He knows this and he says, this is how I want you to party. Three times a year, have a party. We're here for a party. Enjoy it. Well, the conspiracy continues on. Therefore, there is the name of this place called Babel because Yahweh did confound the language of the earth and from thence he did scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Watch this, this is going to be one of the changing points of your life because in Deuteronomy 32, it tells us why he divided the nations. When the Most High divided the nations to their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Israel was not going to be born for hundreds of years, but yet he was dividing up the nations, destroying Nimrod's one world government so that they could not bring the ultimate evil and complete slavery upon the earth because he had a plan that he would choose a people to be his priest, a kingdom, a nation of priests, his prophets to the whole world to reconcile the world back to him. We crossed the Red Sea. We got to the base of Mount Sinai, Moses went up into the mountain and met with the Almighty. And he said, go down, gather the children of Israel together and ask them this one question. If you will keep my commandments, I will make you a kingdom of priests. You'll be my prophets of the whole world, and you will be my segula. Not peculiar, weird people. No, segula. It is a treasure so precious that the king allows no one to touch it but himself. No one is trusted with this. That's what segula is. Moses came down, gathered the children of Israel, and we responded, everything Yahweh our Elohim says, we promise, we promise we will do. Moses returned the words of the people to Yahweh, and he said, go down tell the people to sanctify themselves, get themselves cleaned up. Mikvah, get their garments all washed out in white, and you also put a perimeter at the base of this mountain. Nobody touches a mountain. If an animal goes up on it, you stand back with a spear, and you spear the animal. You do not let anybody touch this mountain. For three days we waited and then, in the morning of the third day, trumpets began sounding from the top of a mountain that nobody is on. These mountains were so loud that the rocks began to break and roll down from the hill. The earth fractured open at the sound of these trumpets and then it says they became exceeding loud. Now, I don't know what decibel level loud is that caused the earth to break open But now it exceeds that. The whole earth is shaking. And then the Almighty comes down in a pillar of fire. It is like a furnace incinerating the top of that mountain. And Moses then tells us, follow me. Everyone gets their white garments on and follows Moses an entire mile from the camp of Israel. Because now we've seen the whole place. The remains of the entire Israelite encampment. We were there for over a year. Hundreds of thousands of potsherds from pottery and handmills that ground manna left behind there that have been brought back to America and into Israel. All this stuff, we can now see. A mile away, they had to walk to get to the base of that mountain. When they got there, they were shaking. They were quaking in fear. Now, what I'm telling you, you have to believe me right now because I know most of you have had a picture put in your mind by Cecil B. DeMille, okay? And even though it was a glorious picture, and even though he had a cast of thousands, he did not have the power of the Almighty on display. There's no way he could replicate what happened at Mount Sinai. Because when we got to the base of that mountain, the entire mountain on fire, then we stopped. The trumpet stopped blowing. It was silent except for the roar of that furnace. Moses shouted out to the God of the mountain and the voice from the mountain, Moses, Moses, come up hither, come up here. And Moses walked right up into the middle of that blast furnace and disappeared. He was given further instructions, told to bring the children of Israel up closer. When he came down from the mountain, and we were standing there shaking and quaking, it was like at that moment, Moses didn't need any more endorsements on his resume. He is tight with the Almighty. He walked up into that furnace and came back down and told us what to do. We got to the base of the mountain, and then the Almighty shouted down his 10 Commandments. Now, when he shouted down Ten Commandments, we then told Moses, Moses, never, never have us go through this again. From now on, if you will go up into the mountain and speak with the Almighty, we know you're tight with him, you come back down and tell us, and whatever you tell us, we promise we'll obey, but we are afraid we're going to die of a myocardial infarction of apocalyptic proportions. (laughs) We're going to have a heart attack. So Moses returned the words of the people to Yahweh, and Yahweh said, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will no longer speak to them as I did today in this flame of fire. From now on I will speak to you, and they will listen to you. They must listen to you. And he said that no one, no one is ever allowed to add one single commandment to the commandments that I give you. No one is allowed to diminish one single commandment. If anyone does, they are a false prophet. He went on further to say that he, the Almighty, would send false prophets with the ability to do lying signs, miracles, and wonders in an attempt to deceive the people, to try their hearts. Will you keep my commandments as you promised, or will you just follow men because they can do a sideshow, a circus act? Well, that is a deception. Deception if the Almighty sends miracles to deceive you. No one adds, no one subtracts. He said, okay, I won't speak to them again like this, but I never, ever, ever want you people to ever forget this day. From now on, on the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a memorial of the blowing of trumpets. You will have a memorial of the shouting from this mountain. You will never, ever forget this day. And yet, 17 years in the ultra-Orthodox Baptist church, I don't think I ever heard the words Feast of Trumpets, Day of Trumpets, one single time. Do you remember, Mom? Not once. The day we are to remember. See, if we add a single commandment or diminish one, we no longer have his commandments. We have a man-made religious system. Listen to me. This is Yeshua's message. I am teaching you the gospel of the kingdom. Yeshua deliberately, deliberately broke the Takano and the Massim of the Pharisees. And to show that heaven endorsed it, miracles were done. They even took him to the grave, but that still didn't hold him. The Almighty is showing that still, you listen to that prophet. You must listen to that prophet. If you don't, you're going to be held responsible. Yeshua is the prophet of whom Moses spoke, because as we read in Deuteronomy 18, speaking of this very day, of when the mountain shook, when the fire came down, and we said, no more, no more. And then Moses said, the Almighty will send another prophet like me in the future. You must listen to him. It's not an option. Every year, this day is when we remember the prophet of whom Moses spoke and that he would not add to, he would not subtract from. Surely, certainly, he would infringe on, he would completely violate man-made religion. And just because it was Phariseeism in his days, it makes no difference. Every denomination upon the planet has their own man-made rules and regulations, but guess what? I don't live with a whole lot of guilt or sin consciousness because sin is the violation of the Torah according to First John. And if you're not living in violation of the Torah, then, you know, what's there to be guilty about? You know, you know, I must break the rules of religious systems like a hundred times a day. And if I'm to feel guilty about the rules and regulations of men, you know, I'm in, I'm in tough luck. That's why I now several years ago, on the day of trumpets that I'm running for Pope. I'm gonna get some things cleaned up. I'm gonna get all this addition and subtraction of commandments, we're gonna get this stuff cleaned up. So vote for me if you get a chance, okay? So here we are at Mount Sinai. The Almighty has shouted down his commandments, and now Moses is up in the mountain. For the next three chapters, he is give, being given the very revelation that we said, we don't want to hear anymore. You go up and find out from him, we cannot handle it. Our brain is on overload. We're scared to death. And so Moses receives more information, one of those that says, Do not learn the way of the heathen. Do not follow the pagan. But keep a feast to me three times a year. Party with me three times a year. Oh, you know, oh yeah, I don't want to obey the Torah. The Torah's been done away with. I can't have any more fun. I can't have a real feast. I've got to go to a Sunday school picnic and drink Kool-Aid out of a styrofoam cup. What kind of celebration is that? (laughs) Goodness gracious. So now, for the next three chapters, we're given the details. Moses comes back down from the mountain now. Still, no tables of stone, ladies and gentlemen. Moses comes down from the mountain and he writes the words on a scroll. On the hides of sheep, he writes it on a scroll, just like what is behind me. Right here, now this is the entire Torah, okay? The five books of Moses written on the hides of 55 sheep. This is smuggled out of a rock just before the last Gulf War, okay? It is over 300 years old. You're welcome to take a look at it. We've got another one in our office that has been dated to over 400 years of age. It almost breaks when you just roll it out to look at it. This one, you can look at it. We're gonna bring it off uh, from here sometime during the weekend. Please don't touch it, okay? But I want this to be here so you understand that Moses wrote these words, these next three chapters on a scroll, the commandments that he was given specifically. To come down, he wrote it, and then he told the Levites to kill bulls, several bulls. And bulls have gallons and gallons of blood. He took half of the blood and he sprinkled it on the altar. And we're talking about, you know, that's a, that's a euphemism, sprinkle. When you got gallons of blood, it's kus Okay? Then, he takes hyssop and with the accompaniment and the help of the Levites, with basins, he goes around, and it's going to take him all day long to dip this hyssop in the blood of bulls and shake it upon the congregation of Israel. Every single person has blood shaken upon them. All day long, under the hot sun, he is shaking blood upon every single person in the camp of Israel. Now. When he finishes, he then takes the hyssop and he shakes it on the book. This is what is called the covenant of blood. It is, when there is a blood covenant, what this is representative of, because in the Western world we know nothing about this. It talks about the kingdom was given to David forever by a covenant of salt. We don't know anything about a covenant of salt here. Covenant of blood is something that we don't know about. But what it is, is just as that animal is dead and his blood is sprinkled upon you, whoever breaks that covenant is as dead as that animal whose blood is sprinkled upon you. That is a blood covenant. If Israel breaks the covenant with the Almighty, then they die. If the Almighty breaks his covenant with Israel, he dies. There's no way out if either party breaks the covenant, it is the death penalty. Moses then goes back up to the mountain, and now he's gone for 40 days and 40 nights. During this time, he is given the revelation of exactly how to build the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the menorah, the brazen labor, made of the looking glasses of the Israelite women, and the altar. He's given all of the detail of how to do this for the tabernacle. And then at the end, the Almighty then gives him tables of stone written with the finger of the Almighty. Moses comes back down from the mountain, and because he has delayed, but he hasn't really delayed, According to everyone down in the camp of Israel, they don't know where he's gone. They said, what's become of Moses? He let us out, and now he's let us down. We have no idea what's become of him. And so they got all the jewelry together, and they had Aaron make a golden calf. When Moses came back down from the mountain, the Almighty was so pleased with their tender display of affection because Aaron said, tomorrow is a feast of Yahweh. And because they dedicated a pagan Egyptian sun god festival to him, just as they learned from the the Egyptians, he was just so happy with them. No, he wanted to kill us all. In fact, he said, stand back. My wrath has waxed hot, and I'm going to destroy every last one. Why did he say that? Because we broke the blood covenant. He has the right to destroy the entire nation and start over with Moses, and that's what he said. I will start all over with you, Moses. And Moses said, No! I'm 80 years old. I've just gone through this whole thing. I'm not going to do it. He went back up to the mountain and was on his face before the Almighty, figure out something else. I'm not going to do it. And so, the Almighty did figure out something else. He put in place something that showed that there is a deficit to be paid. We owe the death penalty. We broke the covenant that we would be his priests and kings, that we'd be his peculiar treasure, that we would reconcile the world back to him. That's what we were the chosen people for, okay? But we didn't do what we were chosen for. We broke the covenant. We deserve to die. And so the Almighty put in place the temple service with the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and rams that showed us with every feast, every time we went up, that there's a deficit to be paid. We owe the death penalty. But you can't just kill a goat and expect that that's gonna take care of it all. The death penalty is owed. But the Almighty showed us that he has a plan. All you'd have to do is have faith that he's covering us. But the end of it is that we must die. So there's no way out. And this is really a sh- uh, like a, a type, a shadow picture of what Adam did. He was the king of the world. It was all delivered to his hands and Then he transferred it over in an act of rebellion to Hasatan. By the disobedience of one man, death came upon all the world. And so there at Mount Sinai, we realized that we had broken that blood covenant and that's it, we're dead. Wait. The penalty has to be paid. What if someone who never broke the covenant could pay the death penalty in our place. If someone who never breaks the covenant would pay the penalty, the death penalty in our place, then the one who pays the death penalty could then thereby renew that covenant with us. So that we could become priests and kings, so that we could then fulfill the first covenant. And that's what it talks about. Every time the words New Testament appear in the New Testament, it's a wrong translation. The words New Testament don't appear in the New Testament. It is a direct quote. From Jeremiah 31. And he will make a not new covenant with the house of uh, Israel and the house of Judah, but a hadash, a renewed covenant. To understand how he would renew the covenant, we have to understand what the first covenant is to begin with. That we would be his segula, his treasure. We would be his priests and kings. And because we violated it, because we broke the blood covenant, we are worthy of death. But if someone who never breaks the covenant will pay the death penalty in our place, then he can renew the covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. When Yeshua said, This is the not King James English, New Testament, my blood, my goodness, no. He knows what he's talking about. He's quoting Yermiahu, he's not speaking Elizabethan English. He's quoting that this is the renewed covenant paid for with my blood. I'm going to pay for it for you. Do it in remembrance of me. From now on, understand what I'm doing. But yet no one is teaching about the covenant or the renewed covenant or why when we are offered to be priests and kings at Mount Sinai in the book of Revelation it says, and he has made us priests and kings because he's paid the death penalty for us. And every year, when we blow the shofar, we recognize that the Almighty not only shouted down his commandments, he told us no one adds or subtracts. He said to do this forever. He said that this reminds us every year that there's another one coming, like unto Moses, who hears directly from heaven that we must listen to. And that's why the Pharisees changed it to Rosh Hashanah because everything I told you that's to remind us of, now they change it to the head of the year and we just have a big party and we ignore that no one's allowed to add or subtract. They've added thousands of their own commandments, they've taken away, how is it, as Yeshua said, you break the commandments of God by your out? You make rules and regulations that nullify the Torah. Nobody does that. Nobody has the authority. Yeshua didn't do it. If he did, he'd be a false prophet according to the definition of Moses. Israel didn't do their job, but Israel is doing their job, those who are grafted in. No matter where they come from, our job is to bring his priests and his kings, to preach the gospel of the kingdom. See, the death, burial, and resurrection, that has something to do with the renewing of the covenant, but that's not the gospel of the kingdom. We've got to see how the whole thing fits together, and we have got to proclaim it, because this generation is going to hell in a handbasket. Yeshua said the gate that leads to life is extremely narrow, and very, 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 very few people will ever find it. And those who do find it, even a smaller group will actually walk that path. You know, I know we've all been given the, you know, some kind of, you know, equation, you know, if we do this, you know, 40-second stands of Just As I Am with every head bowed and every eye closed with no one looking around, <laughs> one more time, Just raise your hand, we're not gonna embarrass anyone. Okay, everyone with your hands raised, now stand up. Okay, we're not gonna embarrass you, now everyone come forward who's standing up. Okay, now in front of everyone, confess all your sins. You know, okay, you get a Gospel of John, do a repeat after me prayer, your ticket to heaven is punched. go out and live however you want. 50 years ago, that's what it was, not what it was all about. How did you know that someone's life was changed? Because their life was changed. They did not just do some magical prayer and now they're in according to your denomination. No, that's a path to hell, ladies and gentlemen. Pay with good intentions. The gate, the broad gate that leads to destruction is religion. Everybody's religious out there. Everybody's religious. That's the broad gate. Yeshua pointed us to the narrow gate. And that means that we listen to him. We don't add commandments, we don't take away commandments. You think it's too hard? Try it. It's not difficult, I'll tell you. It's not grievous, it's a joy. See, the natural man has enmity against the Torah. He doesn't want to be restrained by the Torah. He's just like the kings of this earth, the rulers of this world, who have conspired together. They will not be withheld as restrained by his bands. No, they want to do their own thing. They want to imagine that, We just evolved, we're just stardust. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is the day that we sound the shofar. We remember from that mountain, the shofar's blowing, and this is the day that we remember the king because he will rule and reign upon this earth with a rod of iron. The kingdom of heaven is among us right now. You either bow the knee now or don't worry about it in the future because this is his kingdom now. We submit to the king now. I have no problem with him. I mean, he like paid for the death penalty for me. So I'm moving ahead. We're moving on. Torah is the baseline. It's walking by the spirit. It's the spirit of the Holy One. Yeshua in us, the Messiah in us, the hope of glory. If he is in you, you're gonna do what he did. Break the rules and regulations of religion. And they're gonna come after you and kill you. So, be of good cheer. They hated him, they killed him, they're gonna hate and they're gonna kill you. Be of good cheer, there is a resurrection, okay? And that's how, we, that's how we take our stand because the day of trumpets is the day of the awakening trumpet. It is the time of the ingathering, but it's not the final ingathering right now. It's not the resurrection now. Today we sound the shofar and we reach out around the world with the gospel of the kingdom. We commit that we are going to proclaim the gospel and we will give everything we've got because one day on the sea of fire and glass, To hear the words, well done, good job, will be worth
3: everything.